Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, April 20th. I'm Andrea Linares. Here are today's headlines. The Trump administration insists the country has enough tests to reopen, despite warnings from public health experts and the nation's governors. Across the country, some protesters pushed to lift coronavirus restrictions and reopen the country. But is it too fast and too soon? And let's make a deal. The Trump administration and Democratic leaders close to an agreement on refunding a popular program that's helping small businesses. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with the very latest in the coronavirus pandemic, exactly three months since the very first case of coronavirus was first confirmed here in the U.S. In that time, confirmed cases have multiplied nationwide to more than 750,000, and the death toll has surpassed 40,000. Meanwhile, the debate grows between federal and state officials about the right time to reopen this country with President Trump and numerous Republican governors at odds with Democrats. This, as testing takes center stage. Experts claim it could be a deadly mistake to reopen without proper testing protocols in place. And for those looking for help, more may be on the way, as the White House and congressional Democrats are close to a deal that could provide hundreds of billions of dollars in relief for hospitals, small businesses, and also testing. But we begin now with the battle brewing between federal and state governments over testing. Lorraine Gossetis reports. The debate heating up on how to restart the economy. Testing is how you monitor the rate of infection and you control for it. And that is the whole tension in reopening. Experts say testing for both the coronavirus and its antibodies needs to triple before reopening the country safely. But governors and the president can't agree on who is responsible. For the national level to say that we have what we need uh, and really to, to have no guidance uh, to the state uh, levels, uh, it's just irresponsible because we're not there yet. The governors wanted to have total control over the opening of their states, but now they want to have us, the federal government, uh, do the testing. And again, testing is, is local. The president announcing plans to make more swabs needed to boost testing. We're preparing to use the Defense Production Act to increase swab production in one U.S. facility by over 20 million additional swabs. Per month. States like Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts seem to be approaching the peak. In hardest hit New York State, the number of infections reaching nearly a quarter of a million people, but hospitalizations on the decline. We apexed, we plateaued, it's coming down the other side. But the beast is still alive. The state health department rolling out an antibody testing survey starting today, beginning with 3,000 of the state's nearly 20 million people. But now the New York Times reporting problems and inaccurate results with some of the antibody tests available, and that many are made by companies in China with very little oversight. This as parts of Florida already taking steps to reopen, beachgoers swarming the shores of of Jacksonville opened to the public again on Friday with restrictions and limited hours. Officials from the Food and Drug Administration are now explaining the lagging coronavirus testing in the U.S. was due to the CDC apparently violating its own manufacturing protocols and the tests had become contaminated. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine. 
A new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll shows nearly 60 percent of Americans support keeping stay-at-home restrictions to fight the coronavirus. But there's mounting anger, frustration and worry building up in some states. Protesters in many cities coming out against these stay-at-home orders, demanding that governors reopen their state for business. Demonstrators willfully ignoring social distancing rules. Let's take a look. Over the weekend, this was the scene in many parts of the country, including Colorado, Texas, Washington, California, and Florida. We need to reopen Florida. There's no question that this has to happen. I can give you a million reasons why. There's 22 million Americans right now that are out of work. The sound of honking horns and chanting, a direct signal to federal, state and local governments to get America back to work. After the coronavirus outbreak prompted schools, restaurants and non-essential businesses to close nationwide. Some protesters wearing masks, others ignoring social distancing guidelines. Freedom and liberty. We're losing it. The strict measures were put into place as a way to help limit the spread of COVID-19, which has infected more than three quarters of a million Americans, according to Johns Hopkins University. Just by staying home, your actions may have and likely did save lives. But these actions have also crippled the U.S. economy, with 22 million people filing for unemployment in the past four weeks. And Americans say they are hurting badly. It's killing my business. I can't see any of my clients, even though it's a very small amount. And I can't get the assistance that I need. The PPP loan is out, the EIDL loan, I got denied. I certainly could understand the frustration of people, but my main role in the task force is to make recommendations to protect the health and the safety of the American people. However, in Kansas, a different approach. A federal judge there has ruled to let church gatherings resume. This applies for only two churches in rural Kansas, one in Dodge City and the other in Junction City. This past Sunday, worship went on as usual. Colorado and other states, including Vermont and Montana, have announced plans to reopen the economy, but warn those plans will only unfold gradually. Meanwhile, in Florida, officials announced all schools will stay closed for the remainder of the school year for everyone's safety. Meanwhile, Congress is nearing a deal on a new emergency funding plan, bringing hundreds of billions of dollars in relief to small businesses and hospitals. Claudia Uceda has the details from Washington, D.C. Claudia. Good afternoon. That's right. Lawmakers are signaling that a deal is closed. An announcement can come as early as today and a potential vote could happen as early as Wednesday. Now, this is important because many businesses need money right now to operate and the previous package already ran out of money. The bipartisan deal will include $300 billion in funding for small businesses. It will also give $75 billion for hospitals, $50 billion for disaster loans, and $25 billion for more COVID testing. Now, like I said, a vote is expected this week, but it will take time to get that money out. It won't be immediate, and there are widely publicized problems with the distribution of those funds. 
Now Shay Shack, which got a $10 million loan today, announced that he's giving it back. Now, back to you. Thank you, Claudia Uceda, reporting in Washington, D.C. And now for more on the small business relief package, let's go to Andy Green. He's with the Center for American Progress. Andy, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we just heard this package includes roughly $300 billion in aid for small businesses. The previous round of aid dried up. What happened there? Enormous demand. This is an extraordinary uh, economic crisis. Uh, unemployment uh, could well reach 20% uh, by the end of April. Small businesses are shuttered uh, in our largest uh, economic and commercial centers and really uh, almost across the country. Uh, and so the, the need for them to be able to um, pay rent, meet immediate needs, continue to pay their employees when when they're trying to fill essential needs uh, and, and see their revenues uh, uh, decline uh, is why the money has just gone out the door uh, so quickly. The thing I would add, though, is that we also need to be careful about oversight because the way this original program was structured, uh, designed by Senators McConnell and Rubio, was that it would flow through the commercial banking system. And so I think we're seeing increasingly ev increasing evidence that the largest um, small businesses, uh, franchises, and, and others uh, are getting access to this funds, and, and ordinary mom and pop uh, restaurants and, and uh, dry cleaners and others uh, who need it even more than uh, those uh, larger uh, backed firms are, are the ones who are really struggling with getting the access they need. Now that you mentioned that, on that point, why exactly did that money end up in the hands of big businesses and how exactly are these loans dispersed? So the loans are dispersed um, the way SBA loans are ordinarily dispersed. So uh, if you're a small business, you go to your bank, you go to your commercial bank and, and you apply for a loan and the SBA approves it. And then um, there's a guarantee that comes from the government to the commercial bank that that you know, underwrites the loan. In this circumstance, the government's providing a special guarantee and a special forgiveness aspect to the loan, but it still comes via the relationship that the business has with the commercial bank. Um, but there are a lot of uh, commercial banks that also have um, their own investment banking arm. They have relationships with private equity firms or uh, lending to them uh, and, and other uh, large market actors. Uh, and those firms um, may uh, own aspects or pieces of companies that are franchise operators, uh, take any um, a chain uh, restaurant out there or, or chain um, uh, any number of different uh, chain stores. Uh, the one that's been in the news has been Shake Shack. Uh, and these uh, franchises may, you know, they're going to be small businesses. Only a handful of people work at any individual one of these franchises. Um, but the, uh, the, the parent company uh, is a larger company that um, is, is the beneficiary and also the uh, has a financial interest in, in securing the, the support for their franchisees across the country. So, it, so it's Andy, is there any oversight? Now that you explained that, is there any oversight when they grant these loans? 
Well, uh, that's been one of the key challenges, and I think it's one of the aspects that uh, may be part of the negotiation right now that uh, is sort of holding things up. Uh, there's an inspector general at the SBA, but as I understand it, there's no requirement that loans are first given to the truly smallest businesses, um, and there's really very little set of uh, standards. It's just a first-come, first-served basis. So unsurprisingly, uh, you know, those who have relationships, the, the bigger players out there, may well be able to get first in line and elbow others uh, out, of, out, of the, out of the way. Um, I do think uh, it's an area where much stronger standards regarding support for smaller businesses, communities of color, et cetera, is really needed. Well, thank you so much, Andy Green from the Center for American Progress for explaining the situation. And as we all know, small businesses are getting hit very hard at this time. Let's just hope and pray that we can turn around and get out of this quickly. Thanks so much. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is taking steps to reopen his state today, starting with the parks. According to the executive order, those who go to these places must wear a face mask and also maintain physical distance guidelines. Family groups of more than five people are not allowed. Pedro Rojas joins us now from Mission, Texas, with details. Yes, indeed. Texas is opening for business, as the governor says. Governor Greg Abbott says that today the state parks are available to the public with only one condition. People can only gather, gather by, num by the number of five. So five individuals can gather at these parks starting today and they can visit. This is the beginning of what he called the executive orders to reopen in the state. Now, on April 22nd, Elective surgeries at hospitals can now be performed again. This means that doctors and hospitals now can start reopening themselves for other business besides treating patients with COVID-19. And by Friday, retailers can also open across the state only with one condition. They can only conduct businesses in the outside of their facilities, meaning that no people can be allowed inside the retailers across the state. Now, these conditions are subjected to the rule of the local authorities, meaning the county judges in the state of Texas. There are at least two counties that had already a large amount of spread, meaning the counties that had largest populations, Harris County and the Houston area, where we have seen at least 4,000 cases at this point, and also the Dallas County in the north, north side of the state, where we know that there is also a large spread of cases of COVID-19. Meanwhile, the governor is saying that he is positive about this outlook, and he hopes that in the next few weeks, the state will continue to recuperate from this impact that the pandemic has had in this large state in the South. Also, schools will remain closed in the state until the beginning of the next school year in the month of August. This is, for now, the beginning of the reopening of the state of Texas. Back to you. It'll be a slow process. Thank you so much, Pedro Rojas, reporting from Mission, Texas. Tyson Foods says it's increasing safety measures after at least 90 workers at a Tennessee plant have tested positive for COVID-19. The company said in a statement it's following CDC, USDA and other guidelines to address the situation. It also says workers are required to wear masks and take their temperatures before beginning each shift. Tyson says it's also increasing social distancing and sanitation efforts. 
Meanwhile, more than 50 coronavirus cases are linked to a pork processing facility in Minnesota. Health officials say the JBS plant is slowing operations and increasing social distancing. The company also announced it is removing vulnerable workers from the facility while still offering full pay and benefits. And nearly two dozen coronavirus cases have been confirmed at a meat packing plant in Chicago. The Rose Packing Company has confirmed 21 cases out of the more than 500 employees. It says it is using strict protocol to clean the facility every night and handing out PPE to their employees. But some employees say they are too close together while packaging and cutting meat and do not have the proper equipment. While the United States battles the coronavirus pandemic, Latino communities appear to be taking a particularly hard hit. Luis Mejid has more on a new poll that reveals the disproportionate impact the virus is having on Latino households. A poll conducted by Latino Decisions shows the devastating human and economic toll the coronavirus is taking on Latinos across the country. According to the poll, in 35% of Hispanic households, somebody has lost a job. And almost 30% of small business owners had to close down or suffered a significant decrease in earnings. Researchers found that 50% of Hispanic people had $500 or less in savings. The data shows the dire situation of millions like this woman. Now unemployed and penniless, she wonders what the future will bring. Latinos have been hit hard by the pandemic. In New York, Somos Community Care, the group sponsoring the survey, said many of those infected in the Latino community were not isolated. And many more without health insurance were reluctant to go to the hospital to seek care. The pandemic has revealed the vulnerability of millions who live paycheck to paycheck, families that are now struggling just to survive. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. A new CDC report reveals women represent the vast majority of health workers infected with coronavirus. As Andrea Leon explains, it makes a lot of sense when you take into account how many vital roles women play on the front lines. From supermarket cashiers to nurses, women are risking their lives every time they step out of their homes in the middle of this pandemic. Most of the jobs considered essential in the U.S. are held by women. Many are Latinas, and they never imagined they will live a situation like this. No. De verdad que uno nunca está preparado. No, you're never prepared for a situation like this. As health professionals, you're prepared for different situations, but you're not prepared to see so many people dying. One out of three jobs held by women are deemed essential and don't provide a work-from-home option. They also pay low wages, but despite that, many of these workers feel called to do their jobs. Yo nací para ser enfermera. Eh, es mi vocación, es mi pasión. I was meant to be a nurse. That's my vocation, my passion. Second to my family are my patients. I try to help them, be compassionate, and do all the responsibilities of being a nurse. Women represent 90% of nursing assistants, most of respiratory therapists, and a majority of the pharmacy and medical aides. This is according to a report by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
Researchers found that women represent 73% of the health workers who've been infected by the virus since the beginning of the outbreak. This is Andrea Leon, U News. Guatemalan President Alejandro Giamate says a large number of migrants on a deportation flight to Guatemala from the United States last week were infected with coronavirus. The Trump administration has been pressuring Guatemala to keep receiving deported migrants during this pandemic. It is not clear when the deportees became infected. U.S. authorities had confirmed a dozen cases among migrants. ICE data shows 30 confirmed cases of COVID-19 among ICE employees working in the agency's detention facilities, including 13 at the Alexandria staging facility in Louisiana. About 60 people in New York are facing the music for gathering to make music. The NYPD says they met at a Brooklyn barbershop Saturday night, reportedly to film a music video. Officers arrested two people on weapons charges. They issued summons for dozens of others. Both the governor of New York State and the mayor of New York City have banned gatherings during the coronavirus pandemic. Meanwhile, in California, police officers broke up a party of more than 100 people in Los Angeles Friday night. The LAPD reportedly arrested several attendees. The charges against those at the party in South L.A. remain unclear. Los Angeles residents are under social distancing orders, both from the governor and the city health department. And police in Florida say they caught a murder suspect after he failed to follow social distancing rules. Jacksonville Beach police say they spotted Mario Matthew Gatti on the beach. Since he wasn't exercising, they say he was violating regulations. When they approached him, they were able to ID him as a suspect for a murder in Pennsylvania. He now faces charges in Florida for giving false information and drug possession. That's in addition to the homicide charge awaiting him in Pennsylvania. With social distancing orders in place, rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft have seen a drop in rides. But as Fabiola Galindo explains, some drivers feel the need to continue working despite lower pay. Uber driver Raul Rivera has been driving for half an hour. And now he's picking up his first passenger of the day. At a hospital, one of the few places where he still finds work. I talk to my passengers, many of them nurses, and they tell me that so many people are dying, he says. That's why he installed this plastic barrier and takes precautions, even though he thinks he already got the virus. I got sick back in February, and I want to get the test for antibodies. I was really sick with a fever. He works 10-hour shifts and gets paid half the amount than usual, but he feels his job is more important. When they get out from the hospital after working two shifts, they are tired. They don't want to hop on a bus or a train. They want a taxi. And his clients thank him. Peace and quiet on the, the cab, so we appreciate you guys as well. So thank you guys, too. Hearing those words during these times, it's enough for this driver. With most businesses closed and a nightlife practically gone, these New York City taxi drivers have seen a 91% drop in their rides. They are also considered independent workers, meaning they don't get any health benefits. 
80% of them are immigrants, and in the airports and train stations, their clients have disappeared. Before, in five minutes, you could get someone 24 hours a day. Now we have to wait three hours for one passenger. The rain doesn't stop Raul, who after dropping everyone home, he also gets a rest. In New York, Fabiola Galindo, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro joined a protest on Sunday demanding the end of quarantine measures. The president was not wearing a mask, as seen here, and was seen coughing while speaking to this crowd. Bolsonaro has repeatedly pushed against strict coronavirus regulations. Brazil has the most confirmed cases of coronavirus in Latin America, with more than 39,000, including nearly 2,500 deaths. A group of 20 Cuban medical professionals have arrived in Honduras to help with coronavirus relief. The Central American nation has nearly 500 coronavirus cases and 46 deaths. Communist-run Cuba has also sent doctors to Italy to help the fight against COVID-19. An association of Chinese businesses has donated 550,000 face masks and 1,000 protective suits to the Mexican Red Cross. In an online statement, association members said Mexico had become a second home for its members and it would continue helping Mexico. Mexican Deputy Health Minister Hugo lopez Catel said on Saturday that Mexico has re registered more than 8,200 confirmed coronavirus cases and 686 deaths. Two of Mexico's prime tourist destinations are virtually deserted as the global coronavirus emergency crushes the tourism industry. David Romo has more on what life has been like for these travel hotspots under lockdown. Despite a massive wave of violence in Acapulco, at one point the city registering 20 murders per day, these empty beaches and hotels were not caused by crime or cartels, but instead by the coronavirus pandemic. The government says stay at home. That's easy for those who have money or another business, but those who have nothing. Acapulco, once the playground of Hollywood royalty in the 1950s, then a resort city that attracted millions, now sits quiet and empty. A far cry from the days when there wasn't room for even one more beach umbrella. You can see how it's now sad, dead, no life here at all. Along with her family, they used to visit every year, but not everything is quiet. The spot where divers would risk their lives for spectators, now deserted. If this continues, people will not stand it for long. Eventually, looting will begin because the government is doing nothing to help its people here. The National Guard stands watch over the beaches so that no one enters the water. Further out at sea, the water is calm, free of boat traffic, 
At the moment, Acapulco has 56 confirmed cases of coronavirus. Two people have died. We won't die from the illness, but we will die of hunger. Our kids, our families, no one knows where we will get any money. On Mexico's opposite coast, Cancun, a paradise on the Caribbean also sits empty. No tourists, no spring breakers. Hotels there reporting just 3% occupancy, with the city reporting at least 224 cases and 15 deaths. All business remained closed. Reporting by Alejandro Madrigal, David Romo, U News. Australian police caught an unexpected suspect on their security cams, a kangaroo hopping through downtown Adelaide. The streets were mostly free of cars amid the country's coronavirus. On Thursday, the country's prime minister said those measures will continue for at least another month. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.